Hey, welcome to Don't Feed the Trolls, where we talk about elusive without being exclusive. <laughs> good one. You like that one? Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's pretty good. So Bigfoot episode was a big success. It's the last like 10 episodes. It's like it's a lot of people are listening to that one for some reason. And I think it's because you and I uh, had a lot of back and forth going on. Right. But we wanted to bring on someone who had an actual encounter. And uh, we got an email from someone who had an actual encounter. We, what I and he think was a Bigfoot. And you'll have to figure that out in this episode for yourself. <laughs> Yeah, I would say you probably even have more uh, more opinions on, on on what it was than he does. But it is a pretty uh, convincing encounter, and we're thankful that we have this story. And we have a pretty awesome interview for you guys. If anybody's a believer or a non-believer, it's just fun to listen to. So sure. uh, me being a non-believer, I still enjoy hearing the stories. I mean, it's like, uh, it's like ghost stories. You know, it's fun. The Sasquatch S- experts out there are a little bit too biased towards um, over-explaining or being into like pseudoscience or crypto whatever, and and they don't have enough of a, of, of a skeptical mind, and I think that's what Nate and I bring to the table, a well-rounded discussion that hopefully is enlightening and asks all the right questions without jumping to too many answers. So we're excited to have you guys uh, hear, hear more about Mr. Bigfoot. Yes, and if you had an encounter or know someone who's had an encounter, we want to hear about it, whether it's Loch Ness Monster, the Dog Man, the New Jersey Devil, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, whatever. We're ready to hear about your Yeti. You're ready to hear about your Yeti. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but first, let's uh, welcome a new pat- patron, uh, Colin Snitchler, who is uh, super awesome. He was uh, our only pledge this week. So if you want to support the show, you can do so. You're super awesome for being our only pledge this week, Colin. Thank you for being our yeah. only <laughs> our only pledge. Basically, <laughs> if anybody uh, if anybody wants to support the show at patreon.com slash don't feed the trolls, you will also be awesome. Yeah. It's very little. It costs you a dollar a month to support us. But we say five. But we could also say five or ten. Or if you're as cool as Josh DeVillier, a hundred. I mean, we're cool with yeah. that too. Yeah, yeah. Basically, a coffee a month. If you can spare a coffee a month for our show. Right, and to put this in perspective, we have 68 patrons total and uh, we yep. are we are generating uh $387 per month for this podcast. We're about 35 6 episodes in, probably 40 if you count the bonus episodes we've put out. And we, you know, we do have expenses. We have web hosting, we have uh, monthly expenses for podcast hosting on SoundCloud. Just the 10 hours a week we probably spend dealing with podcast too is a lot of a lot of time and effort goes into it but you know, sure anything anything above anything above our expenses obviously uh we can designate more time to put into the podcast and it makes the podcast better so head on over to www.patreon.com slash don't feed the trolls and check out some of our rewards we got the starter salad we got the appetizer we got the entree we got the surf and turf we got the wedding cake we got the vegas buffet we got the biblical feast 
We got the lifetime su- supply of sustainable organic food. <laughs> we got. Wow. I can I can remember naming these rewards and uh, cracking myself up. So that was a nice little reliving of that moment. Uh, but uh, we 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 have plenty of uh, available yeah. rewards for those who want to uh, pitch in and help us out and get some of these benefits. Man, we got some benefits. So check it out. Benefits, and they are not elusive benefits climbing off into the woods. They are right here, right now, where you can see them. Touch, feel, taste them. <laughs> but this is another great episode. We're talking Bigfoot 2. Again, if you know anybody, we will talk to anybody, anybody. who's had a cool, elusive encounter with a mythical creature that supposedly is not supposed to exist, but lots of people say they do. So <laughs> without any further ado, let's... Jump in. Bigfoot 2. Hidden underneath your bed In the middle of the night Hear the footsteps on the floor Thunder rolls and lightning strikes Welcome to the podcast, David. I appreciate you uh, being willing to come on and share your story. Yeah, um, been looking forward to it. Uh, Jason told me a lot about you guys, and it's uh, like you got a pretty good thing going there. <laughs> we have fun. Some, some, some would say, but others maybe say something else. <laughs> <laughs> we generally like to talk about issues that are kind of, uh, I don't know, controversial, but we try to talk about them in a reasonable way and try to present issues in a reasonable way and. Uh, Nate's been a, a, a Bigfoot believer for some time, so we did a podcast on Bigfoot, and we got an overwhelming response of people with stories. So we uh, we would love to follow up and see if we could hear some personal personal encounters. Yeah, I'm someone that uh, Matt's the skeptic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm technically the skeptic. I guess, yeah, I would be the skeptic. I love it. Well, but just for our listeners out there, maybe just introduce yourself and give us a little background on your your life story and where you are. Sure. My name is Dave Duncan and, um, I was born and uh, grew up, um, as a child in Louisville, Kentucky. And, um, I became a, a coal mining engineer and we moved out state to, uh, central part of the state, uh, central Western part of the state. And, uh, I, after I got married, um, our first home, was in a little town called Olayton, Kentucky. And Olayton is basically um, a convenience store, gas station pump, and a church. (laughs) Uh, And it's kind of where everybody gathered together to get gas and swap their stories and what have you. And um, we lived a ways from town, and so our nearest neighbor was um, at least a mile away, and the nearest town to us to really do any shopping was about 25 miles. So we're, we were in the middle of nowhere. And if you know that part of Kentucky, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of development, yes, but there are a lot of areas that probably haven't seen people in uh, in, a, in a decade. Hmm. Hmm. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of coal mining, and then but there's areas where they prospected for coal, didn't find it. So you just have these really large tracts of land that uh, don't have anything on them. And we lived at that time, we had purchased a mobile home and we put it um, kind of on the edge of one of these tracks. How old are you at this point? Uh, and then I was, um, let's see, that was uh, 
Oh boy, I would be in my early twenties. Okay. Yeah, and uh, anyway, we put the home on a lot uh, next to a stream at the bottom of a big ridge, and uh, behind us was hundreds and hundreds of acres of nothingness. And uh, wow, I loved it. That's where we lived, and we had built a place down by the creek to we had a swing and a fire pit, and we just sit down there and chill out. And it was a really nice place. So you, how long did you live in in the uh, mobile home in Kentucky on the lot? Um, not long after we had this experience. <laughs> <laughs> I lived there. Uh, we lived there about two years. Okay. And uh, we had, we did have some friends there, but like I said, we our nearest neighbor was about a mile away, maybe a little more. And then um, after that was the little burg of Olayton, and then really not a whole lot of people out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you might as well. I mean, we all know why we're we're having you on the podcast. Just maybe uh, take us through the experience that whole day, kind of what led up to it and where you were, and just give us the whole encounter. And sure, this was uh, this was in uh, early November, and uh, in that part of the country, early November, the leaves are just off the trees, and the day was kind of overcast and rainy, uh, but not horribly cold, um, and. You know, living in that area, we we were knowledgeable about a number of stories of different odd things that occurred hmm. near us, and uh, I can share some of those later if you're interested. But yeah, um, so uh, it was a pretty uneventful day um, in the evening after it got dark uh, down by the uh, creek. I built the place down there to uh, burn garbage, and so. Had a underneath the edge of the woods had a big barrel down there, and we would carry our burnable stuff down there and dump it in and burn it. And so, and this particular evening, I my wife was in the living room; she was vacuuming, and um, I uh, decided to take out the garbage and burn it. And I can tell you at this time, I am no believer in a Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Um, had no fear of anything like that. Had no fear of the woods or, um, matter of fact, I love them. Um, and so I, mm. I went out the uh, front door and walked around back with my bag of garbage and uh, walk in under the eaves of the trees there, put the, um, the garbage down in the barrel. And it was kind of drizzly. I was kind of worried about being able to get a uh, fire started because it was, things were getting kind of wet and, and I had all I had was um, a paper book of matches. Is it dark out at this point? Uh, yes. Yep. It's completely dark. You walk out there in the dark, and and how far is this from your from your house? Yeah, from the back corner of the house, I would say it's probably about mm, twenty five yards. Okay. Uh, not too far, and there was there was enough ambient light coming from the back porch lights. I could kind of kind of see what I was doing, but okay. it was pretty dark under the trees. Yeah. And um, so I got the matches out and uh, and uh, and I struck the first match and uh, that's when the goodness started. (laughs) I uh, as soon as the match flared up, I got it. Well, actually, before I struck the match, I kept I kept there's there was this odd smell that I couldn't quite place it. It was it was sort of like a. Sort of like a rotting carcass smell, you know, like when there's a dead animal on the road, hmm. uh, and really, really strong. And 
Anyway. Did you smell it walking up or did you just smell it right when you got there? No, I, I smelled it as soon as I come out of the house. Okay. I didn't think of anything about it. I thought somebody hit a, a possum or a raccoon or something up on the, the road. Yeah. I was smelling something like that. It wasn't anything that alarmed me or anything like that. So so anyway, I, I was I was wearing uh, uh, jeans and a white T-shirt and an uh, old pair of the uh, what they used to call the Converse tennis shoes. I don't think you can buy them anymore. Oh, yeah. But anyway, um, so I struck the match. And as soon as I struck the match, I, there was an immediate—I mean—an immediate sense of something next to me, really big. And um, hmm. I mean, it just—I mean, in that in that split second, I went from feeling like a normal person to being absolutely overcome with terror. I mean, I—I I didn't want to move. I—I uh, yeah. I don't even know how I willed myself to move, but um, I. I leaned away from the trees and I turned to my left and started to sprint back to the house. And as soon as I took the first step, um, I thought my shirt snagged on the on the, the low-hanging branches of a tree. And uh, I didn't really pay attention to it. I ran around to the front of the house because the back door was locked. Hmm. I walked in and my wife was vacuuming still and... I just grabbed the cord and unplugged it and threw it on the floor. And she said, what the heck is wrong with you? And um, I said, something grabbed me. I, I thought something grabbed me or something was right next to me. And I don't know what it was. And I, I, I couldn't see anything. And she said, what do you do to your shirt? And I said, what do you mean? And I couldn't see it because it was around the back. But from about, I don't know, about three inches below the neckline on my shirt, there was uh, Two long, I mean, really long slices all the way down uh, near the, to near the bottom of the shirt, and then a shorter third one. Really, like thin slices? You know how t-shirts are—they stretch and everything. But yeah, I would say the the slices were maybe as they were opened up, they were maybe a half an inch wide, maybe a mm. little wider than that. Huh. And then they were like they were like uh, two inches apart. So oh, they spanned like six inches all together. So she's freaking out, and and uh, she wants to go, and I didn't want to go. Uh, I didn't know what to do. So we closed up shop and locked the doors and uh, spent pretty much a lot of time just talking about what it could have been, and we didn't hear anything or see anything after that. Next morning, I kind of passed it off, and I, so I decided to walk down there, and when I walked down, the first thing I realized was, I walked down and around the barrel, and there was no way that my shirt ever got caught on a tree. And that mm. really scared me because I knew my shirt snagged on something uh, after I turned my back. So that's the basic story. There wow. was a few things that followed after that, um, that that were interesting. Yeah, tell us that. Um, so about three days later, and I didn't know this, my wife had talked to uh, a couple up at the convenience store and uh so um that happened on a thursday so this was a sunday evening um knock came at the door and there's uh one of our neighbors his name uh uh and this is a real name hacker patterson um and he was a he was a farmer type dude and uh (laughs) 
um, I knew him. I, I'd met him and nice guy. He, he, he says, uh, you, you got a few minutes? And I said, sure, what's up? He said, well, I want to talk to you about something that happened to you the other night. And I said, what do you mean? Because I was playing dumb. I didn't want to broadcast this. And yeah. he said, well, and then my wife confessed that she told his wife. And so he wanted me to recount the whole thing. And, uh, and I did so reluctantly because I felt silly. Um, you know, cause honestly I'd never, I never really considered that it were true or it could be true. He says, well, I got to tell you that you're not the only one who's had a similar experiences. And I said, in really? the area or like in the area, years? in the immediate, okay. actually in the immediate area. Hmm. And the, the two, the, the three incidents he told me about all occurred within two miles of where I live. Hmm. Oh, so the first one. The, the first two had to do with him. Uh, he said about a month earlier, this was uh, uh, middle October, middle beginning of October anyway, and uh, he was a big hunter and he had a lot of uh, dogs. He was a raccoon hunter and he had all these coon dogs, a bunch of them, and they're all pinned up to the side behind his house. And he said that uh, uh, about a month earlier, one night, the, the dogs start going crazy, which was nothing unusual. A lot of times if there were a, a deer snuck into the area, they would smell it and start barking and what have you. He said, but this was different because they were going nuts, just like something was ripping them to pieces. And so he went outside and two of the dogs had broken out of their um, pens. Hmm. Uh, he had three other dogs that weren't in pens. Uh, then there was a few other dogs that were still in their pens. And he said two of the dogs had managed to get under the house and the other three dogs that were out were on the porch sitting right next to the wall and they wouldn't, they wouldn't budge. Normally if they would hear something, they would take off running. Yeah. And he said there was just the awfulest smell and I asked him to describe it and he said, well, it smelled like something dead. And I said, well, really? And, uh, so then he told me about his son now he had, this was he has a pretty big pretty big farm like I think it's two or three hundred acres and he raises cattle and he said that uh, one night his son went out to bring the cattle up to the barn and uh, and they always did that on horseback so they would take out hop on a horse and uh, ride about three quarters of a mile down the down this ridge top and uh, kind of corral all the cattle together and walk them back along the the top of the ridge back to the barn area. Uh-huh. And, um, he said that, um, his son was, was going out to look for the cattle and all of a sudden out of a cove on the side of the ridge, all the cattle come running, um, out of there and they're running towards him and they ran past him and they ran all the way back up near the barn area. And they were, he said they were clearly in, in a lot of distress, um, and he explained that you could tell that by the way, when cattle are terrified, they'll roll, they'll roll their eyes. Right. And, uh, uh, he said they were, they were quite frightened. And anyway, he says that when he was back there, he also had this really strong smell. Uh, the third incident was a couple of hunters. I don't know them, didn't know them, but he did. And they were hunting on the tract of property that was behind where we lived and um, 
Matter of fact, right up the ridge behind us, uh, about a hundred yards up, um, and quite a bit higher than we were. There was a there's an old fence line that runs through there, and they maintain it because the cattle sometimes sometimes got into the woods, and if they was a break in the fence, they could conceivably get out. So they maintained it and kept it uh, kept it repaired. Mm-hmm. It had no trespassing signs posted on it. Anyway, they were they were back behind where I live, maybe a mile, and uh, but still along the same ridge. And um, they had told Mr. Patterson that uh, they were back there hunting, and uh, the dogs started acting odd, and they they had there was they said there was a terrible smell, and uh, and they heard uh, they heard this. Uh, he described it as a scream, or a, not like a not like a not like a roar, like a lion or something like that, but it was a like a scream. Uh, up on the hill. Mm. So they didn't know what to do. This went on for five minutes or so. And so they finally got the nerve to walk up there and they walked up there and they, uh, they actually found a part of the fence that was, that was, uh, that was broken. Um, they'd run a new barbed wire strand on top of it and it was, it was busted at the, at the top strand. So anyway, um, those are the stories. Wow. Take it or leave it. I, it happened. It was a long time ago, but I I tell you, I, I, I wouldn't go back there to date by myself. Yeah. <laughs> the common thread that I see in, in or hear about in a lot of these stories is that like people are like deathly terrified of, of like of something. Uh the smell thing is always pretty common and then there's something big or something just scary. And Nate's of the persuasion that it's, you know, a, a very intelligent, large, bipedal primate, something like that, that is uh, d- doesn't want to be discovered or whatever. And it's a very scientific uh, thing that just hasn't been fully unearthed yet. Um, but there's other folks who believe that it's a, it's a paranormal type uh, phenomenon. Did did there any anything strike you that it wasn't physical or was it very much like, you know, I'm I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes. You're you're at this burn barrel. You strike a match and you feel something large. Is there any doubt in your mind that it couldn't have been a bear or another large forest animal? Yeah, I, actually, that's that is what I convinced myself that it was. Hmm. Um, for, for for quite a while, I didn't have any other uh, any other explanation other than, and although bear are not common in that part of Kentucky, you don't yeah. really see bear until you get way over in the eastern side and in sure. into the mount, more mountainous areas. I had never seen a bear, didn't know anybody who had saw a bear, but that that was the story I decided to stick to. So whenever I was asked about it, I would say it's probably probably was a bear. And you felt it standing next to you, or how far away, or what was you the know, presence like? I, I didn't, I didn't see it. And I got to be honest, there. You know, when you're, if you're sitting next to somebody in the dark, and, and they move around, they're not making a lot of sound, but but you you can yeah. sense that they're moving. Right. It was like that, and it was it was the exact instant I struck the match. It was almost like I startled somebody. Yeah, I've I've heard about this before, where people's lighting matches or 
actually using fire to kind of keep things at bay just because it frightens apparently frightens mm. them or whatever I, I i know what you're saying like i was in yosemite once and there was a bunch of bears walking around our tent and when you're next to a big animal even in the middle of the pitch black dark you can just hear them moving because they're just so much bigger even if you can't see it you can sense something big is near me not like a dog or something you know what i mean yeah and I, don't, I don't know why but i my my feeling was it was much taller than my than me and yeah and and I felt that at the time, not not after I went back out and investigated the tree. When did you transfer your thoughts that it wasn't a bear? It was probably something else. When did that happen? It was or- kind of the, cum- the culmination of a lot of different events over uh, a few years. Um, one of them being, um, you know, after that, I always had an interest in reading documentaries and things like that about about Bigfoot and Bigfeet. Bigfoot sightings. Um, I, I can't bring myself to call them Bigfoots, <laughs> Big like the guys on TV. But <laughs> I just, I just thought that uh, I came to the conclusion that it, the odds were it probably was not a bear, um, because if it was, it probably would have been in other people's trash. I, I think I'm thinking that a, a bear that was that big uh, couldn't go forever. Uh, unsighted or, or unknown. Um, I mean, I guess it's possible as big as some of those tracks of land are, but with the smell, uh, the other stories and some yeah. other stuff that I'd heard and learned about the regions around this area, I'm firmly convinced it was not a bear. Dave, were you like you said it was wet out? Were you? Did you think the next day to maybe look for tracks or anything like that of like a something large that might have been standing? By the barrel, I did, but I didn't see. I didn't find anything. Um, that that area back there was, it was grassy, but I'd kept it mowed, and um, I didn't. I didn't see any imprints or anything like that. But you know, this was after the leaves had just fallen, so everything was kind of covered up with leaves and <laughs> and soggy and wet. And I, you know, it was firm ground. The topsoil there wasn't very thick, so. There's like, you know, you dig down two or three inches and it's limestone. So I didn't didn't really see anything, but I didn't investigate really hard. Not as hard as I probably would if something like that happened today. It sounds like the experience kind of sunk into your subconscious. I mean, because you always know the truth of an experience, even if you try to tell yourself after the fact, like, that didn't happen the way I thought it was. But you knew it wasn't a bear, but you just told yourself that. So you you probably didn't think to look for tracks or anything like that. Uh, I really didn't. I really didn't. I didn't, I, I didn't think about trying to track it down. Um, yeah. I, um, but you know, my, my wife, uh, and I, we, there was a couple of shared experiences that weren't anything like that, but often made us wonder. Um, sometimes there was a couple of times when, uh, we woke up in the middle of the night and it was as if somebody were, shaking our mobile home really the whole thing was like was like rumbling and uh i mean pretty violently enough to shake and rattle stuff in the house but our neighbors had told us that uh not too far from where we lived there was an underground salt mine that was probably explosives oh although we only heard it twice it was both times it was in the middle of the night so it wasn't like a routine thing i've heard this too a lot of people in louisiana have uh i heard a couple stories about guys down there that were in mobile homes and they would shake in the middle of the night 
I mean, <laughs> Don't was, tell me that. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of a lot of people describe like there was a couple in Tennessee I read about, and they have a cabin backs up to a preserve of hundreds of acres, just like you guys. And at night they would hear they had like a cabin that was kind of had a big basement area with a lot of cinder block around it. And then way up on the top of the wood, which was like 10 feet up, they would hear they would hear these slaps in the middle of the night, you know, smacking on the side of the cabin. And they're like, there's no way it could be an animal because it's so high up on the cabin. How is that possible? So it mu- you must have been in its territory and it didn't like that. And it was trying to get you out and shake your shake your area. It's massive speculation. You know, not to totally disregard your experience, Dave, and I think that you probably uh, did encounter something and it was terrifying. I absolutely believe that. I'm not saying it was in your head, but I could see myself in your shoes striking a match, seeing a shadow that was cast, maybe realizing, you know, um, intrinsically that I was alone in the dark woods and you know, being overcome with fear. I don't know, maybe counter couple that with a smell and I'm running and, you know, I could just kind of put it all together in my head of like being terrified. I actually get chills just thinking about that. (laughs) You know, like, like I said, I was always a skeptic and, um, like the the popular show that's the Bigfoot hunters. I don't know what the show is called. I forget now, but, um, they, they have such an involved and deep science. uh, Right. they've, They've evolved that it's almost ridiculous. You know, they like, they like bananas with chocolate on them after they hear a baby cry, you know, it's just crazy <laughs> stuff. Um, uh, they all act like they know so much about the life style of these creatures. And that's the thing that keeps <laughs> me skeptical is because the believers often are not basing anything on hard data or empirical evidence. They just have these, you know, just that's why. That's no, they they do. They haven't. But here's the thing. It's but here's the thing. Because Nate, it's considered a hoax, it doesn't get well. But it doesn't get. But here's the thing, Nate. You're like, oh, up. they don't like fire, or they, you know, you're in their territory, so they're hitting the top of the roof, and that's why. That's like when you look at your dog, and your dog is like, looks at you, and you go, oh, my dog, he he wants me to go get him a something, and like you start personifying something that like has no data. It's rare in the wild that you have dogs that are trained to hunt animals that, that get scared by animals because they'll they'll track and they'll tree lions, they'll 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 hunt bears. And when you have dogs running away from something, it's it's a different kind of fear. When you have cattle running away from something, it's a different kind of fear. Yeah, I mean a cattle could run from a bear if they haven't yeah, seen a bear and there's a bear in the but, area, it's very terrifying looking. But uh, they don't they don't they don't have that kind of reaction like the the you know the cowboys in the area like there's no bears really around here these things were sprinting out of a, a cove area which right. which i've heard in the south the reason why there's not a lot of sightings yeah. because they come out at night but they there's all a lot of cave systems in the south a lot of rocks that go underground and they can easily an animal could easily live underground, especially a strong one. Right. It could move some rocks and get around. So it could come out at night sure. during the day. It goes back down and it and and so it's not hard. What if for it, it was to like hide. a big scary dude who lived in the woods his whole life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What if I he wish. was just a six foot six dude who like was raised by wolves and like never never learned how to speak English or encounter humans and just lived off the land and stunk like a dead animal? 
I don't think 35 years later, David would come on the show and talk about a stinky dude. Well, he, I, he didn't necessarily right? get a hold of him. I'm just saying it's, it's far more likely based on the fact that I know there are stinky dudes living in the woods. Yeah, I know. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing about it. Um, if, if there were a stinky dude living in those woods, he doesn't have a whole lot of resources. Uh, it's not like he can you know, steal pies out of somebody's open window or something like that, you know, and, and, and I, and when I think about it, I could, I could, I think very easily convince myself of exactly what you said, Matt. And that's, you know, you strike the match, it's dark, the shadows, um, whatever. I just can't figure out how the shadow ripped my t-shirt. Right. That's the one thing I can't put together. And matter of fact, when the guy, when the Patterson guy came to talk to me, he asked, he wanted the shirt. And huh. uh, I said, what do you want it for? He says, well, I might have it tested. And he took the shirt, but I I never, I never, you know, it wasn't too long after that that we moved and, and, and I'd never heard of the outcome of that. As much as I loved nature and the woods, I mean, I'm, I'm a guy, when I was, when I was 18 and 19 years old, uh, growing up, uh, my dad worked on this big farm, uh, and we got free rent because my dad worked for the farmer. And we also there lived on the edge of a big section of woods. And as, 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 and as a personal adventure, I, it, I had these, I would take these night walks where mm. I would challenge myself to walk into the forest, uh, and how far could I go before I started freaking out? And I routinely was taking really long walks without any source of light at all, just wow. in, just pure darkness. And but after that, uh, the allure of that just went away. And I and and I was honestly, I think we both were just uncomfortable. So here's the thing that that is seems to be a consistent part of of a lot of these encounters is that something is really terrifying about it. And I don't know if it's something because it's not it's not something that you recognize or it's something other than what you're used to in the woods, but something is always terrifying. Hmm. And people like Nate would t- say stories of people move away and they don't go back into the woods ever. And these hunters are terrified or the dogs are terrified. Like when are, when are hunting dogs terrified? And that leads me to speculate, like, is this like, if there is a paranormal, right? If there's spirits or manifestations of evil things. So you think it's like a half spirit, half beast? Well, I don't know if there's man, manif- if there are, sorry, I'm, we're going, we're going there because, 
uh, Bigfoot. I'm gonna get you. Is there. not <laughs> proven <be> <laughs> to exist. <laughs> but um, but it, if there are these manifestations of of evil or whatever in the world that that can be physically embodied, then is it, would that not account for maybe the fear? Because it seems like if it was just an animal, right? If you saw a bear for the first time, you'd be scared, but you'd be like, oh, that's a mammal. You know, that's part of our world. Yeah, and I've had bear encounters in the middle of the night, and, and I know what that feels like, and I know what that looks like. We know what a bear is. Like, Dave, have you thought, have you thought anything about that? I don't know if you believe in angels and demons and stuff like that, but have you thought anything about that? Like, why was it so terrifying? And I'll, I'll honestly say I, I can't remember ever, ever in my life feeling that absolute and total panic that yeah. made you almost like, helpless but that's what it that's what it was like and and why I, I can't really speculate uh, about the paranormal um and i do think there's some things that go on that we can't quite explain uh i i wouldn't necessarily attribute to attribute it to that although i will say that there was part of that fear and part of that panic was there was like this underlying sense of otherness you know hmm. yeah but maybe you could get the same thing if a bear stood up next to you. In the I dark. don't know. I, 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 remember, I remember being in high school or at summer camp and sneaking off and kissing a girl in the bushes and something rustled and it was a small, small creature. And, I, and we got spooked and ran away, but we knew it was like a raccoon or a Squirrel. small. <laughs> yeah, it was something small. And I remember just being like, oh, that was crazy, you know, like feeling like the Lord was telling me not to kiss girls in the woods or whatever. But, <laughs> uh, but when you encounter a, a big animal, of course, you're like probably feeling this. What was that? What was that thing that was giant? And what I think is interesting about the fear part of what you just said is I, I've probably listened to a, a hundred episodes like this where people call in and give their encounters on another show. And it's almost like therapy for people. They call in, they say, I had this experience, I was terrified, I lost my job, my wife doesn't even believe me, I don't know who to talk to. Uh. <laughs> and they have this almost like their whole life is ruined because they saw this creature. And right. that's the kind of fear we're talking about. And I feel like people don't want that experience they just it just happened to them and it, it it seems to be almost paranormal honestly hmm. but it's like a therapy group well i was i, I was doing some research online and there's one uh, bigfoot researcher who believes they are <laughs> they have cloaking abilities <laughs> i'm going to stay in this world you know but maybe they have but maybe they have like a, tele, a telekinesis type um like they can trigger they can trigger your fear sense so you don't attack them Maybe that's why everyone's so ter- terrified. Maybe something in the, the smell. Aliens. Yeah, ancient aliens. The, exactly. <laughs> the I'm ancient just... uh, the ancient aliens show says that they are they are extraterrestrials and they 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 fly here in spaceships. <laughs> well, a lot of folks were, were were writing us in after we had the first Bigfoot episode, and they were talking about in the Bible there was a race of giants called the Nephilim. And uh, yes. so that's one theory is that they're descendants of the race of the Nephilim, who who happen to be, I believe, fairly evil in the Old Testament there. So maybe that's what triggers the fear. Uh, it's, it's That's the funny. It's the fun part of Bigfoot uh, is to just speculate on 
what it possibly could be. <laughs> I've also heard in the South, in the Southern regions, they have more uh, violent encounters, more aggressive behavior. So yeah. the, the the fact that it swipes at you, rips your shirt, it's it goes in line with all the other stories, and it backs up to hundreds of acres. That that that's something that like because they. If you're an animal and you know certain areas that you're safer on and, and you don't want to be detected, you're going to want to back up to a lot of land and you're going to kind of want to hide in there and know you're not going to have problems. And it just makes sense. Like, you wouldn't see one in a city or a suburb. It just wouldn't be there. Like, digging through trash cans in people's backyards like raccoons or something. It would be remote. It would be somewhere else. Yeah, if it's intelligent and, does, and, and solitary and doesn't want to be found. What do you think now, David? Like, what would you say it was, and, and, and what do you believe about these creatures? Well, I, I can tell you that it, the, the experience changed me to this day, and I, and I know that because I never really had interest in big feats or whatever you want to call them in the plural. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> ever since then, if there's a program coming on or a show, I'm I'm gonna watch it. I just I'm fascinated by it. Hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting that you use the word intelligent because if if I had to say that there was anything else that I sensed in that split second moment was I didn't sense evil or meanness or anything like that. And as far as swiping the, my shirt, I don't know. In my mind, it's always more like a not like a swipe, but like it touched me or whatever it was, maybe exploratory. I don't know. But there was, when you say intelligent, there was like that feeling about it. Like, like it was like, a person or someone was there. Like a like so, someone yeah, e- equally yeah. e- equally on your level next to you. Like you something kinda... new, you were walking down the trail, got quiet. It didn't make a sound. It, it Maybe it was digging through your trash. It was looking for something to eat. It didn't know. It saw you coming down the hill. It got quiet, and you didn't know it was there. You light the match. It freaks out, flinches, and you freak out. And there's just this, we were both trying to avoid each other. I didn't know he was there. He knew I was there. Is that kind of what you're saying? or? Yeah, yeah. And and uh, t- today I can tell you that really, if I'm honest about it, yeah, I, I do believe that they're real. I, I don't have as an involved knowledge base as some people do about it in terms of what they are i know there are other things that we've gone a long time having never discovered yeah and then pop one day there they are it seems incredulous to me that we've never found anything i got i have to admit that so i'll say that i'm a fairly convinced skeptic i don't think it is you know as far as spiritual i doubt it i don't think that would be the case and you know i think it's some sort of creature why we aren't able to discover them. I don't know. Well, the cloaking ability that the one Bigfoot researcher claims would would make a lot of sense in that regard. <laughs> if it could just go invisible uh, to the human eye, then that would uh, that would explain why we haven't found one yet. You know, when I struck that match, it was immediate. It was like if you can imagine yourself with a huge intake of breath, um, and it was just something's there. Yeah. Huh. And I want to get away from it. And literally, I I could not feel my brain willing my legs to move. I was just moving, and it truly, it truly terrified me. And Whew. you know, in a way, not talking about it a whole lot over many years is probably yeah. probably good for me, to be honest with you, because 
you know, you keep things buried and suppressed and, you know, move on with life. And there's a lot of other things and you're not worried about Bigfoot or, or uh, anything like that. But, you know, we, that area, that whole area is, uh, is rife with all kind of stories about odd things that happen. What's the area called? Just for people, if they want to research and look up stuff. Uh, well, the area is, is that I'm talking about is is Ohio County in Kentucky. Okay. And they call the area Panther Creek Bottoms, and it's a uh, it's a uh, all these ridges play together in a way that this ancient river that used to flow through there created this really large flat expanse in between these ridges. And it was common to see articles in the newspaper that you couldn't even hardly read without laughing about things that were going on. And I remember one of them was a Boy Scout troop went into Panther Bottoms to go camping. And late in the evening, they they heard a really loud shriek and a creature supposedly runs out of the woods and through their fire scatters their fire and runs off into the woods in the other direction. Wow. And they all, they all explained it as described it as looking like a, a horse, but they said it had a, a head like a lion. And, uh, oddly enough, uh, an archeologist who was studying at the university of Kentucky got a hold of the story and he did a lot of investigation back in the Jurassic paleographic, whatever world it was. Right. And, he says, he said in, the, in this article, uh, you could probably look this up. Somebody's probably got this on file somewhere, that there was a creature millions of years ago, uh, if you believe the timelines, that was in this that general area, and it resembled a horse, and it had a face that looked sort of like a lion. What? They do report seeing a creature they call the dog man. And it has like the head of a dog. And, and and what I'm interested in about your story is the fact that you had three tears. Because what I hear about, what I hear from about Bigfoot is they don't really have claws. Maybe it was a different type of crypto creature. Like uh, maybe it was in the dog man phase where it had like claws and it, it swiped at you. But I've heard bears have claws too. Just FYI, I just going to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right, though. You're absolutely right. It's sure. Sure, they do. I don't know uh, what kind of a creature it was, but when when other when I started hearing tales about Bigfoot encounters, it was similar to my encounter. Right. So I don't I don't know what was there. I can tell you with without any hesitation, without any doubt, something was yeah. there. And the sincerity of your story and, and of the story of many others and the similarities, I think we can all say that something, right? Whatever it is, is something. <laughs> Something's out there, you know, and it might be out there. It might be, it might be out there in in a number of different senses. I don't know, but that's fascinating. I think it's really, really fun to try to investigate. One of the things that I've done over the years, and uh, I, I I've kept a a notebook, an old notebook. It was like a few months, yeah, a few months after this happened. I wrote the I wrote down the encounter because I didn't want the passage of time to to color the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, so I, I'm, I'm looking at it right now and, uh, Oh really? Can you read it for us? Um, uh, sure. Yeah. If you, you want to hear it. Yeah. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Okay. Hang on just a minute. Let me find that. I love it. Oh, this was, uh, November 7th, 1979. 79. All right. Just entitled mind counter with a mystery. 
On uh, November 7, 1979, I had an odd experience at my home in Olayton, Kentucky. Going out to burn garbage in the burn barrel one night, um, I struck a match and dropped it into the can. Oh, here I dropped it. Um, dropped it in the can. Immediately something near me moved. Something big. Uh, I didn't see anything. Didn't hear anything. There was no breath. Only a strong smell uh, as if something had died or got run over by a car on the road. I ran into the house fast as I could, unplugged the vacuum that my wife was using and explained to her what had happened to me. She noted that I had three tears on the back of my t-shirt, which I know had not been there before. And looking at the tears, it was apparent that something had grabbed my shirt. Then I've got um, I had written some other things down. Okay, on uh, November the 11th, Hacker Patterson from up the store came to visit and told me of similar encounters that he had had and others had had while hunting and asked if he could keep the shirt uh, for possible investigation. I gave him the shirt and uh, thanked him for spending some time talking to me about it and appreciated his not blabbing it all over the community. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> Wow. So this is my thing. It changes people's lives. Yeah, people write down their experiences. People remember them their whole life. Do you go into the woods? Do you do what you did as a kid and walk off in the woods in the dark by see how far you can go? I'm sure you know. Nope. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, I mean, I I live in a a, a condo type of thing now, and um, you know, I I find if I just walk out around the house to the truck to get something I left out there. It's creepy. It's creepy. I'm, huh. I'm, I'm always, you know, is there something behind the bushes? Uh, and yeah. I always have this, this feeling of is something close to me or, um, and I, I'll be honest with you. It's a little embarrassing to say that. No, no, no. Well, no, that's, that's legitimate post-traumatic stress that you have based on an encounter. So it's like, you know, that's real. It's a, it's a real reaction, a real psychological reaction to being, uh, shaken at some point. Yeah. I've never read about anything happening anywhere near like a, a normal city. Like, uh, but I'm just, uh, I'm just saying that, that the fear sticks with people and the experience is something people can't shake. And it's really hard because people are so anti. So who can you well, tell? You're, you're like thanking the, thanking the pastor. Thanks for not telling everybody. It's like, well, why can't you just tell your story? Why does everyone quickly judge you like you're crazy? You know, I think that's lame. Well, I think, uh, I think people will judge someone who is making bold claims. And you can never, you can only ever empathize with someone who said, I don't know what it was. It was big. It smelled and it scared me, the living daylights out of me. So sure. you, can't, you can't argue with that. But when they start saying when they start saying things like Nate, I mean, uh, they like to fo- they have migratory patterns and they follow water and <laughs> come on, man, I love it. <laughs> no, it's 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 like you have to you have to chalk up your uh, encounters and look at the scientific evidence. I mean, how else are you going to prove an animal exists before you? Before you prove it exists, you have to sort of figure out what you're looking for. You what gotta you're... hunt. You gotta hunt it, I guess. You gotta track yeah, it down and you, get a body. You, but you have to understand. You have to take what evidence you do have and formulate your hypothesis, 
and then move forward in the scientific method. But if if science won't even let you form a hypothesis because they call you crazy, well then what are you going to do? You can't even look. Sure, for but it but here's 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 the scientific method method as applied to um, David's story and the story of those who also had encounters. Something big. There was a smell. Didn't didn't get a clear view of it, and. And, and and so so and so and so people who encountered uh, this thing were terrified. You have terrified cows and you have terrified dogs and a, and a lingering smell. And now people are saying, well, that is clearly this is the uh, the brown Bigfoot of uh, <laughs> of uh, you know Arkansas migrated up to you know, and they start making <laughs> this stuff up. And you go, clearly, we don't have enough data to say. What it is. Well, no, but know? what I'm saying is based on other experiences, if you if you put a hundred stories together and you're like 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 David does in, in the sense that there was five, three or four people who had the same experience within a two mile radius. Okay, we have these stories, we have sure, you know, we're we're collaborating the stories, there's some cross evidence, um, people hearing screams, animals being spooked. Right. But I'm talking people who have a broad daylight sighting of the animal. Those are hard to. Yeah, that's a that's a little more. I'm at least as far as you know, you have to take that for what it is too. But I mean, I think I I don't know about I don't know about you, but I, I think I want to research a little Ohio County. Uh, uh, you know, see see what other stories came came out of there because it seems like. Um, and Nate, we got another email from a guy who was talking about. Uh, some kind of monkey creature that's been seen, a uh, devil monkey or something like that. Um, in Oregon, and it was also seen in a an area or a road that a lot of uh, seemingly abnormal uh, encounters yeah. had taken place. People seeing UFOs or people seeing um, different creatures and stuff like that. So it that's kind of uh, fun to think about. Dave saying that this is an an area that a lot of people see certain things. I mean, what if it's like Stranger Things and there's like a portal into another dimension and, and creatures <laughs> come through occasionally to hunt, Nate? What if that's the truth? You mentioned earlier the, the dog man <laughs> of something. Um, yeah. It just made me think of another interesting story about another interesting Panther Creek bottom story uh, that back in the 60s, there was a this couple that had gotten married and uh, they were actually... It got married at a church, a rural church in that area, and they were driving away at night to go on their honeymoon. And that something along the this old country road in Panther Creek Bottom, something jumped onto their vehicle hmm. and started shaking it and howling and screaming. And they um, uh, they said that this thing actually ripped a couple of holes in the roof, the metal roof mm. of their car. Mm-hmm. And they said it uh, went kind of around to the front of the vehicle. All they could see was this blur of brown. Um, and uh, the they reported to the police. The police came, um, took pictures, and they wow. actually collected some hair as, uh, as evidence. Hmm. And the story goes that when the hair was examined, um, it was, it, they said it was canine. Hmm. So just another interesting, wow. a lot of odd stuff. Yeah. And that's something that I want to look more into is these different creatures. Cause I've only really done a lot of research into the, like the Bigfoot sightings and what those look like. And, and, um, but yeah, you have, 
all kinds of different creatures out there that people are describing and they have these traumatic experiences and they don't have anyone to talk to. Well, so, they can talk to us, Nate. We'll always we'll always invite them on the show. <laughs> you both have really good arguments, and uh, um, and and I appreciate the back and forth. You know, I think some of the Bigfoot movies and shows you see now, I think all they've done is really crystallize people uh, on the, either camp. Right. And uh, you're a believer, you're an uber believer, and if you're a skeptic. You're you're an uber skeptic, right. and um, <laughs> yeah, we try to ride the line. Yeah, yeah, we try to ride the line. That's the whole point of the podcast is to see both sides of every story. And, th- and this one was really good for us because we actually do fall on either side. Like I actually, yeah. I actually would like would like us to find a great ape that is as smart as us in the forest. I think that would be awesome. Uh, but I I have I have to wait to have an encounter myself or see the see the scientific evidence. Uh, and Nate. Nate, all he needs is the stories, and he's in. So we are on both sides. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't just need stories. But it's a true, it's a true debate because, as as much as I would like Bigfoot to exist, uh, I have just don't have the data, and uh, and so and you're on the other side going, you know, I don't need the data, or scientific community is ignoring the data. I actually believe it exists. So we have a good debate, and we're both friends, and so we don't have to call each other crazy or. Um, skeptics or cynics or jerks, we can yeah. we can kind of just handle it and and it'll be all right. And hopefully, other people can can listen to a debate like this and listen to other people's stories or encounters and and not demonize yeah. them or call them crazy or whatever. Just actually think about things critically, you know, from from all sides and all angles, and be open to the possibility. I'm very open to the possibility that I don't know everything that's in our forests and woods and hills and wilderness. I'm pretty sure I don't know. I'm pretty sure there's more that we're going to discover. I'm totally open to finding that out. So. Yeah. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and just having the bravery to kind of revisit that night that you went out to the trash burn pile. No, I truly appreciate it, uh, guys. I, I uh, Your podcast sounds really interesting. I, I look forward to, uh, to listening to you guys and uh, on other subjects. And uh, um, like you say, at least there's a forum uh, to have this discussion, and, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, David. Appreciate we, it. We, we uh, really loved having you on. Thanks. Yeah, so take care, guys. All right. engage so quickly in these kinds of conversations it's just where i am i don't have to think it's like to listen it's just fun to listen but i mean it's as far as like it's great it's just easy for me to be a skeptic of it too because like you know sure sure yeah there's there's literally like you got spooked cows spooked dogs and a spooked guy who didn't see anything and here we are saying in bigfoot I'm looking at this as like a scientist to the best I can. I know you don't think I am, but I'm trying to go like, if he said, okay, I saw these flashes of lights and things were flying around, I would immediately go, this doesn't sound like a crypto encounter. It sounds like something else. But he's saying it shredded the back of my shirt like Teen Wolf. I'm going, whoa. And it was, and he knows what a bear is. He spent his whole life on, on a farm. He knows what a bear is. Yeah. So I, I, I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt when it comes to those situations. Sure. For what it's worth, everyone was terrified. Now, whether or not the terror was warranted, 
Yeah. Whether or not they had the data coming through their eyes, ears, and nose to be terrified, they felt extreme terror. That's something. However, when people are under extreme stress and they have fear, like we've (laughs) talked about fear taking over your brain, fear is not something that you can count on. It'll it will make you see and feel things. Yeah, I don't I don't see that. I don't I, I think the exact opposite actually. I think the fear proves something real happened because there's been times in my life where I've been afraid. I got spooked by something and turns out it, it was something else. And I go, okay, I was I'm fine. I don't carry it around with me forever. I think if a lot of other people start feeding you information at that point and go, oh, that sounds like a Bigfoot encounter, then you start filling the gaps with Bigfoot. Whereas whereas you start you start with Bigfoot and then you you start trying to fit that into your story as opposed to start with your story, which is you you lit a match felt a presence near you, got startled and ran. Nah, I think he worked backwards on this one. He smells the smell. He's had his his trailer shaking in the middle of the night. Yeah, mining underground? Come on. You and I know that's not what's shaking. Maybe, or earthquakes. Cabin. I mean, the earth moves. No, There's tectonic no, no, plates. No, dude, I... Ch- Trust me, his thing is shaking at night. He smells the smell. Locals have seen Based it. Based on your knowledge of Bigfoot, why would a Bigfoot come up to, who doesn't want to be discovered, come up to a, 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 a double-wide trailer and start trying to shake it? If it did it in the middle of the day, I don't know. But if it does it in the middle of the night, it's trying to send a message. Get out of here. You're not wanted here. Move on. Get on down the road. But it doesn't know what's inside. It doesn't know what's going on. But it... I've listened to so many of these stories where people are like, in the middle of the night, the Bigfoot calls the dog. In the middle of the night, they're banging on the side of the cabin. It's It, it had a territory. Its territory got moved into. It's not excited. They bought the lot and put the house on the lot. Big, Bigfoots use fear, man. They use fear a right? lot. It makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense that they put their house on its property. It might have already had that. Do- There's so much speculation about not only the existence well, of Bigfoot, just, oh, yeah. but Nate, the personality of Bigfoot, the behavior of Bigfoot, the territorial. No, that's just animals. Everyone knows what territorial pissings are. Animals do yeah. this. It's yeah, but it's hard. It's it's hard when a Bigfoot does, it wants to be has never been discovered, never been a body, and then now it's trying to interact with humans by knocking on the side of their. <laughs> no, not not knocking. People have told their stories over and over again of, of it displaying aggressive behavior and territorial behavior. Snapping tree limbs, breaking things, pushing right. things down, um, showing aggressive behavior. I'm just saying animals do this, and this animal particularly is is doing it. Like jumping on this couple's car and right. ripping holes in the car and then testing and having hair and DNA proof, and then all of a sudden, some canine. We don't know. What does that couple do? They, they feel fear and worry the rest of their life. They have holes in their car, proof. They have hair, proof. And yet still the skeptics are like, no, man, it didn't right. happen. That sucks. <laughs> he did not see anything. That's the big jump to me. It's like, not only did he not see anything, now we're saying that the Bigfoot has behavioral issues and wants to move the, the No, I'm just saying I've property. heard those stories before. I've heard stories of stinky. I've heard stories of shaking. Stinky is the consistent is the consistent thing. Everyone they noticed the smell. So what is that? And why is it that the smell coupled with the something startling you visually, you have more senses involved in that fear <laughs> reaction 
that happens, like, you know, it's almost like you need sound, smell, and maybe some sort of sight. Well, they, they rate their, they rate these encounters based on like a C, B, A. So if you see the animal, it's considered an A encounter. If you've, if you were spooked by the animal and you didn't quite get a visual, it's considered a B encounter. And then if you just found some footprints and you saw some stuff and you found some hair on your fence, it's considered like a C encounter. So, so he has like a a legitimate B encounter. Almost an A, where something t- touches at him and and, and, and rips his shirt mm. and is startled, but he doesn't see it. So you're right. I'll give you that. It's not an A encounter. He didn't right. see the animal, but he, but there's other things. There's other parts of the story, and it's you know corroborated with other people's stories right. in the area that give you like six or seven or eight things that can say, look, based on all this right. stuff, there's a good chance that there's a. There's this type of animal there, so that's that's how I feel. It's very interesting, and there's there's a lot there's a lot of questions that it all brings up, and I'm I'm actually really excited to talk about it and debate it. And if any of our patrons or uh, listeners out there, if you guys uh, have any other stories, we'd love to we'd love to talk about this more because this is just uh, it's juicy. It gives me the little it gives me the little goosebumps on the back of my neck, and it makes me makes me feel happy to talk about. Uh, secret secret animals in the forest that might be millions of years old that might have the body of a horse and the head of a lion. If you've seen this uh, animal <laughs> somewhere in uh, Kentucky, please shoot us an email at don'temailthetrolls at gmail.com and uh, if you have any encounters or know of anybody with an encounter, we'd love to have them on the show. So please uh, shoot us an email or message us on uh, patreon.com slash don't feed the trolls we'd love to hear from you keep them starving keep your uh, keep your eyes open in the keep forest keep your eyes open don't go in there after dark